Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. All right. Thank you, Zach. Good morning, everyone. It's great to worship with you this morning. It's great to have you watching this online as well. This past year or so, we've been introduced to a lot of new ways of doing things, right? It's been a new, different kind of a year. And a couple months ago, in December, when all the restaurants were closed down, I kept driving by this one restaurant on my way home from work. And every time I would drive by this restaurant, I saw this sign that said, heated patio, had a tent set up outside, said, heated patio, come join us, TVs, we'll serve you, you can eat here. And so I saw that every day on my way home from work. And then it was one Monday evening, uh, I think one of the last Monday night footballs of the year, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go try this restaurant. These people are trying to keep these restaurants going. They're trying to do their part. So I'm going to go and I'm going to support them. And I'm going to sit there, even if it's outside, and I'm going to watch this game. So I went out to this restaurant and I walk in the door. And I walk in and the hostess comes up and and she says, hi, can I help you? I said, yes, do you have room on your patio? I'd, I'd like to, you know, eat some dinner tonight with you guys. And she said, yes. And then she walked away. She said, I'll be, I'll be right with you. So she walked away. She came back. And she said, yes, we can seat you out on the patio. Just so you know, um, if our chef decides to go home early tonight, we won't be able to feed you. I said, does that happen a lot? I mean, um, that's kind of why I'm here, is to eat dinner. And she said, yeah, I just have to warn you, it's probably not going to happen. I said, okay, well, I'll take a chance. So she brings me back to the back patio and sits down. And on every table, there's a heated lamp. And so I'm like, okay, because it was pretty cold out. And so when the server came over and he said, you know, hey, can I, can I get you something to drink? I said, you know what, how do we turn this uh, heated lamp on? He said, oh, you can't turn it on. I said, well, how come? And he said, well, you know, the fire department came by and they said, we can't turn these lamps on when the tent, with the tent and everything. I said, it said heated patio. He said, I'm sorry about that. So it's freezing. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'm still going to stick this out. And then I said, you know what? I noticed all the TVs out here are off. I'm here to watch the Monday night football game. Are those TVs going to go on? He said, oh no, we can't put those TVs on tonight. I said, well, sir, three strikes and you're out. I'm out of (laughs) here. It was kind of a terrible experience, right? It's new. I mean, these are things that like you wouldn't have experienced before. But then my wife and I, we decided to give it another shot. We went to a, a different restaurant. And this was a restaurant in downtown Detroit. And they have a hotel attached to their restaurant. And these people got really creative and really innovative. And so what they decided to do is they decided to make every hotel room its own private dining area. So when you walk in, 
they bring you to a room. They, they remove the beds from the room. They had a big table in there. And you can sit down and dine. And then you pick up the phone. You call in your order. Someone brings it up to you. And it was a wonderful, wonderful dining experience. New dining experience, but it was wonderful. So this has been a, a season of change, of new experiences. And some people are doing really well with the new experiences. They're accepting the fact that the world is different right now. And some people are innovating and trying to make the best of it. And other people, they're not really able to keep up with the change or what's, with what's happening. And we're in this, a, a series called The Book of Mark. And if I had a title for this message, it would be A New Way of Doing Things. Because the theme of this book is that Jesus came to the earth, and when he came to the earth, it changed everything. In fact, in Mark 1, he says the kingdom of God is here. Jesus came and he brought the kingdom of God to earth. And when he arrived, it changed things. And there were some people who could handle those changes, and there were some people who couldn't handle those changes very well. And so I want to look at three stories this morning with you in the book of Mark chapter 2 and 3. And I'm going to talk about what happened, the significance of Jesus coming to earth and announcing that the kingdom of heaven is here. See, Jesus proves in the book of Mark He backs up that claim that the kingdom of heaven is here by proving he's the deity, that he is God in the flesh, by introducing a new covenant to us and by fulfilling the old covenant. So let's look at this first story found in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Mark says this, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, The news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Then the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. So there's a lot to unpack here. 
And it's an incredible story. And there's so many things that you could focus in on. You could focus in on the fact that these friends of this paralyzed guy, they did whatever it took to bring their friend to Jesus so that he could be healed and walk. And that was admirable. You could bring up the fact that they were desperate and they, they went through the roof of someone's house to lower their friend to see Jesus. That's incredible too. But what I want to focus in on is the fact that Jesus came and he claimed that the kingdom of heaven is here. And then he backed it up by not only healing this man, but forgiving sin. In the Greek, that word forgive sins means to put away. So Jesus was putting away this man's sins. And it shocked the religious leaders because they did not believe Jesus was God. They didn't believe he was the son of God. They thought maybe he's a man of God. Maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he can do miraculous signs and wonders. But the son of God, I don't think so. And so to say that you could forgive sins was blasphemy. Complete blasphemy. And back then, blasphemy was punishable by death. They could have stoned Jesus on the spot for saying that he could forgive sins. But it's kind of hard to stone someone on the spot after he just healed a man who was paralyzed, right? So by proving that he could heal the man, Jesus also proved he could forgive sin. Because why would God allow this man to be healed and to walk if Jesus couldn't also back up his claim that he was the son of God, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, and he was able to also forgive sin? So right then and there, Jesus proves it. Verse 10, he says, I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. That word authority in the Greek is implying, it's not implying strength, but it's implying right. I have the right to forgive his sins because he's sinning against me. So I have the right to do this. This kind of shocked the Pharisees. Like I said, a new way of doing things. This hadn't happened before. They hadn't seen this before. And some people, if you read that story, some people rejoiced and some were upset. See, when new things happen, some people rejoice. Some people get excited. Some people get upset and reject the truth. And that's what's happening in this story. I want to go on to a story number two. It's found in Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Mark says this. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. 
And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So what we have in the first story is we have Jesus proving he's the son of God. He can forgive sins. He can heal. He can do things not other, no one else can do. In this story, he's bringing in a new covenant, a new way of doing things. And it's important to know that in the Mosaic law, there was really only one way, only one day that you had to fast, and that was on the Day of Atonement. In the Mosaic Law, one day you have to fast, the day that you mourned because you had to atone, the priest had to atone for the sins of the people. It was a big day, everyone went, they mourned, they fasted, because it was the day God would atone for the sins. But because these religious leaders wanted to be more spiritual, they introduced more and more and more days of fasting. And that happened to be the season they were in right now. So first of all, they come to Jesus kind of like, why, don't you, why aren't you fasting? And Jesus gives a pretty incredible answer. He compares his coming to a wedding feast. Because when you fasted in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it was usually a depressing moment. It was a mourning moment. It was when someone passed away or something wasn't going good. You read in the Old Covenant, they'd tear their robe, grow their beard, they'd fast. It wasn't a time for this because the Son of God was here on earth. This was a time for celebration. This was a time to embrace a new way of doing things. This was the time to embrace that the promised Messiah was now here on the earth doing the things that were prophesied about thousands of years ago. This isn't the time of mourning, Jesus. This is the time to be excited. But though fast, there's going to be a day where I'm not, no longer here. And they'll fast and they'll mourn. But that's not the day. And he could tell there was some confusion surrounding that. So he goes on to talk about wineskins. And we've heard this before. If you've been in church uh, a, a number of times, you understand the concept of wineskins. What they would do is they would put grapes and they would put um, the wine into a wineskin. And as the grapes fermented and as that wine, uh, over time, the wineskin would grow to a certain, um, uh, like a certain level of, I don't know what you would call it, but it would grow. And then you could no longer, once it was done fermenting, it was ready, you would pour it out. You couldn't put new wine into it because that wineskin would burst. It wasn't ready. It was only good for one time. And what Jesus is saying is this, some of you have to change the way you think because you're looking at me with the old mindset. But in order to embrace the kingdom of heaven, in order to embrace the promised Messiah, in order to embrace me and your heavenly father, you have to think differently now. The world as you know it is no longer the same. It's a different world now. And you might want to go back to the way it used to be, but you can never go back. You can't pour new wine into the old wineskin. It will burst. So you have to realize 
There's a new way of doing things. I change everything is what Jesus is saying. And this is hard for people to embrace. Think about it. People who had a religious tradition, these were Jewish people who had followed the Mosaic law from the time they were young to the time they were older now. They liked their lives. In fact, when Jesus came to the earth, when he died, rose again, and the disciples started preaching about the kingdom of heaven and preaching Jesus, their goal was never to leave Judaism. It wasn't. Christianity was considered a sect of Judaism all the way until A.D. 70, when the temple was destroyed. That's when the Pharisees took Judaism one way and the Christians or the Nazarenes at that time took it another way. But when Jesus came to earth, it was supposed to be the end of all kind of religion. There's no Greek or Jew. There's no male or female. We're all one in Christ. It's those who accept Jesus and those who don't. That's it. It was never meant to be separated. It was meant to be the fulfillment of Judeo Christianity. It was meant to be the fulfillment of the law. It was a new season, but think about it. This meant that the Pharisees would lose their their standing with the people. This guy, Jesus, could do things they couldn't do. He had more followers than them. They would lose their high level of status, the respect that they had amongst the people. They rejected him for many reasons, but one was they couldn't accept this new way of doing things. They liked the old way better. But unfortunately, everything changed and you could never go back to the old way of doing things. Sometimes I feel bad for those religious people. I really do. And I wonder what I would have done in that situation. Would I have been able to embrace this new philosophy, this whole new way of doing things? Or would I have clung to what was comfortable and what I knew to be true? We're experiencing this right now, this, a very similar thing. I mean, I felt bad for people when, when this whole COVID-19 thing broke out, I felt bad for people who weren't technologically savvy, didn't know how to go online because you could no longer go to the Secretary of State. You had to go online and do it. You couldn't just get in line at the Social Security office. You had to go online and register. So there were things that changed, and I, always, I felt bad. But the thing was, you had to adapt, you had to change, you had to start to learn a new way of doing things because no matter how bad we wanted to go back to the old way and still do in a lot of ways, that old way is gone. And we have to embrace a new way. And that's why I feel bad a little bit for these Pharisees because this was hard. This was a hard message to embrace. But it was the truth. And a lot of people accepted it, but there were some that rejected it. Let's look at that third story found in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 verse 1 says this, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, 
Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Wow. Two verses and so much to unpack here. There's a guy in church with a deformed hand one morning. And it says that Jesus' enemies, so here you, here, this is very important to understand these were enemies. These were the people I'm talking about. These were the people who could not accept this new covenant. They could not accept Jesus as the fulfilled Messiah, promised Messiah. They just couldn't do it. So they actually became enemies of Jesus, plotting to kill him, plotting to take him down. So right here, it says they watched him closely almost like they were setting him up. That word in the Greek means to watch maliciously. I wonder if they put that man in the synagogue, brought him in that day on purpose, just to see what Jesus would do because they planned to accuse him if he healed the man of working on the Sabbath. That word accused means formally, like in a courtroom setting. What they were doing is if they, if he heals this guy on the Sabbath, if he works on the Sabbath, they have a reason through the Mosaic law to accuse him of breaking the covenant and to arrest him, to take him down. So they were watching him closely, waiting to pounce on this opportunity to take Jesus down. Let's keep reading. Mark chapter 3, 3 through 4 says, Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. So listen to this. So, They get into the synagogue. Everyone's watching the situation closely. Jesus brings this man with a deformed hand, like brings him up here and just says, everyone, watch. Can you you feel this tension mounting in the room? What's he going to do? But I love Jesus. He has this amazing way of throwing a question back at the Pharisees. He says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Now you had to realize that you couldn't, he- you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath unless someone's life was in danger. Unless it was life-threatening, then you could save that person. But other than that, you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. But Jesus says, he poses this question, what about doing evil? And of course you couldn't do evil on the Sabbath. That was worse than than, than working, was doing evil on the Sabbath. This was the day of rest. This was God's day. You didn't do evil on the Sabbath. So Jesus is saying this. Well, if I know I have the ability to heal this man and do a good thing, and I don't do it, wouldn't that be considered evil? This is what he's saying. This is what I love about Jesus. He logically proves to these people, listen, if I don't heal this man, but I have the ability to do so, that's evil, and I can't do evil on the Sabbath. 
We see it in James 4, 17. James says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So it was clear that Jesus could heal this man. So if he could heal this man, he should heal this man. After all, in Mark 2.27, the word of God says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, listen, you guys are so, your mindset is the letter of the law. You've missed the spirit of it. You actually think God would be upset if I healed a man on the Sabbath? You don't get the law. You don't understand the spirit of it. You don't, it's all external to you. Your hearts are far from God. You don't understand. And he was grieved. We see it in Mark chapter 3, 5. Jesus looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. This was the second time Mark already says that Jesus was angry. And his anger was also mixed with deep grief at the hardness of the Pharisees' hearts. Because he knew they couldn't accept God for who he really was. And they, he knew not only they couldn't, but they were unwilling to even try. They were unwilling. And so he commands the person, this man, to, to stretch out his hand and he heals this person completely, performing an incredible miracle. This was just an incredible miracle. Verse 6 goes on to say, At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. The irony of this, they pose a question to Jesus or they are, they're watching Jesus closely. Is he going to heal on the Sabbath? You can't work on the Sabbath, but then on the Sabbath, it says immediately at once, the Pharisees went away and met with supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. That's evil on the Sabbath. Not only that, they partner with the Herodians to do it. Their political enemy. The person that they thought the Messiah would come to help them destroy. So not only do they plot to kill Jesus, they plot it with the enemy. So much irony in this passage. You see why Jesus was upset. So Jesus, in the book of Mark, he comes and he says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to perform some miracles, but I'm going to also show you that I have the power to forgive sin, that I'm God, that I'm deity. I'm also bringing a new covenant that's going to be hard for some of you to accept. But if you can just understand the heart of God, if you can just see God in this, instead of looking at it like it's terrible, if you just don't instantly reject it, but just pray, God, could you help me 
accept what I don't understand. If you did that, you would see that there's a new covenant and that the old is gone and the new is here. That I am the fulfillment of everything you believe in. You're missing it. You've spent your entire lives studying God's word. You've spent your entire lives in synagogue. You've spent your entire lives studying the book of Moses, the Mosaic law. I'm here now. God's actually doing something new on the earth and you're missing it. How? How could they miss it? This is the question I ask myself. How could these men and women of God miss God? How can they? And if it was possible for them to miss God, is it possible that we can miss God sometimes? Because don't look now, church, but our world's different than it ever was. And I want to tell you something. Can I be honest with you? God's doing a new thing on the earth. The old is gone. The old way of life is over. Trust me, I'm tired of living this way. I, if, can I be honest with you? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people being in fear everywhere we go. I'm tired of fear on the news all the time. I'm tired of hearing about death. I'm tired of political unrest and the divide being so, so big. I'm exhausted by it. But is it possible that in our own religion and in our own minds and in our own way of thinking, our old way of thinking, we may miss what God's doing on the earth because we're blinded by anger. We're blinded by the, the way the world is right now and how much we hate that and how much we're fearful and how much we're angry about it. Is it possible that if we just sought God and said, God, what are you doing on the earth right now? That he would show us a new way of doing things? Church, we have to embrace it. The time of fighting is over. I really felt like the Lord said that to me and when I was preparing this message. Fighting is over. Embrace what's happening on the earth and let me show you how I'm gonna move in a powerful way. Amen. Let me show you. Because if you're not careful, you're gonna miss it. Chris, you're gonna miss it. If you stay in your flesh, you're gonna miss what I'm doing in the spirit. See, the new covenant ushered in the spirit of God. When God, when Jesus died on the cross, rose again, he said the Holy Spirit is gonna come now. And we live in the dispensation of the spirit of God leading us and guiding us. And I believe that if we get on our knees and we cry out to God, not with certain agendas in mind, this is, this is big. It's very easy for me to get on my knees and tell God what I want to see on the earth because I think it's his will. Do you know that the Pharisees were on their knees crying out to God the night they put Jesus on the cross thinking they were doing the right thing? They missed it. I don't want to miss it, church. 
I don't want to miss it. I'm concerned we might miss it. So right now, what I feel like the Lord is saying to all of us is if you will humble yourselves, we forget that word humble, but if you will humble yourselves and you will actually seek my face, be led by my spirit, you can point people to me like never before. There's a new way of doing things moving forward and we can exalt God in this and he can become famous and well-known or we can actually push people away from him. What are we gonna do in this season? Because back then, there were people, these religious leaders, not only did they reject Christ, but they pushed people away who would have accepted his message. They led people astray. I don't wanna lead anyone astray. I want Jesus to be lifted high. I want to walk in his spirit and in his truth. I want to be led by him. Amen. And when we accept a new way, when we realize the old is gone, the new has come, we can actually say, God, what are you doing on the earth and how can I be a part of it? And he's going to say, let me show you how. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, change is hard sometimes, God. It's very hard. It's very hard to accept certain terminology. I hate the word new normal. I don't want to hear it again. It's hard to change. It's hard to accept things as new. But God, I pray that you would Enable us, your men and women of God, to not miss you in this season. You would help us to open our heart to whatever you have, even if it doesn't look like what we think it should look like. Lord, the Pharisees thought the Messiah should look a different way, and these men of God missed him. God, I pray that as we seek you, we wouldn't miss what you're doing. We wouldn't fight against what you're doing, but we would embrace what you're doing. And we would be open to the fact that it might not look exactly the way we think it should look. We love you so much and we give you this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.